This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you at church today. It's so awesome to have you at church today. And, you know, I'm so glad uh, that God has been good to me all my life. Anybody else in the room, God's been good to you. Uh, this morning, we're going to hear from him and learn more from him. And I don't know about you, but every time I open up God's word, uh, it, even if I don't understand it all yet in the moment, even if there's something to learn, even if there's a, another Greek or Hebrew word to dive into or a metaphor I don't understand, that's part of the discovery. And every time you open up God's word, something happens in your heart. The word's alive. It's active. It's not a book. It is life to you and your body and your mind and your spirit and your soul. Somebody who agrees, say a big loud amen. amen. Well, welcome to church today. My name is Landon. My wife Kelly and I have the honor and the privilege of pastoring this great church. We're so, so glad to have you here today, especially if it's your first time. Church, give a big loud hello to those that are here for the very first time. Glad to have you here. Glad to have you at church today, and inside your worship guide is a little connection card. If you wouldn't mind filling that out sometime between now and the end of the service and let us know you were here, Kelly and I would love to send you a letter and tell you thank you for being here today and, and give you what those next steps would be should you choose to take them to get more involved here and, and, and have your family live life alongside all these other amazing families. And the same people that gave you that worship guide will take it on the way out the door today. And I, I want you guys to know if there's anything that you need help with in the next couple of days, and I know we also have PTSD from 2021 storm, uh, so if there's any, uh, anything that you need help with the next couple of days, um, let us know. We'd be, we'd be glad uh, to help you. Um, and just if you're not in a small group or haven't had a previous small group leader, just get a hold of the office. We'll, we'll make sure we find a way to take care of you. Um, family takes care of family, and in Texas, when we're all cold, we get cranky, so we all need extra love, all right? Well, we've, we've all been at this place before. We're starting a new mini-series today, just a three-week series um, before uh, the end of 21 Days of Prayer. So between now and the uh, end of January, we'll be going through three weeks in a series called Closer. Everybody say, Closer. 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 We've all been there before. We've all been at this place where we've been distant where we've been drifting, uh, dis feeling a disconnect, be being disconnected from God, moving away from him instead of toward him. We get distracted. We've all been there where there's so many things that are going on that fight for our attention. But it's a brand new year with a brand new opportunity. And you can choose this week, this day, to return to a mindset of getting closer to God, closer to Him, and to begin to live life on purpose, not live life like we mentioned last week, not living life accidentally, and having this reactive approach to life where you're just kind of letting things happen and then you pick up the pieces and try to fix it all when it does happen and then ask God, why'd you let this happen? We can get closer to Him and we can be proactive with our faith and we've got the choice this week to stay disconnected or to grow closer. We have that choice, and honestly, being neutral is, is not true. That's a myth, and neutrality is actually disconnection. And so we have the choice this week to make 
plans, make decisions, make a spiritual effort to get closer or to get disconnected. And honestly, that's what 21 Days of Prayer helps you with. We do it twice a year, and we do it uh, in January, and we do it in, um, in August. Um, and you'll see in, in 21 Days of Prayer that that we are, we've got an event coming up at the end with the land. We've got uh, daily devotionals. We've got uh, an online community for you to be a part of. We we have uh, these daily encouragements. There's a lot of things that you can gain from being part of 21 Days of Prayer and fasting, being part of a group of people that are setting their mind to getting closer to God. And it's never too late to start and getting involved in this time of prayer and fasting. We're going through a book called Pursuit uh, together and reading that daily. Um, This is the best way to start your year. And it's one of the best ways to help you get closer. And you've got to decide. We can't decide it for you. Do you want to get closer to God this year? Or are you cool? Are you good? I don't know about you, but may we never get to the place where we're just like, I'm good with our relationship with God. Anybody here this morning? I know it's cold, but your lips still work. Anybody here this morning? It's not Andy Reid cold. It's not negative 10. Your lips aren't frozen shut like the Chiefs game last night. Like we, You got to talk back to me today. Who wants to get closer to God this year? You want to move closer to him. You want to get next to him. And in this three-week series, we're going to look at eight different spiritual disciplines that are going to help you do just that. We're going to look at reverence, Prayer, scripture, fasting, meditation, serving the Lord's service, and opportunity for community. And we each have a decision to stay disconnected or to draw closer. And it takes a firm decision. It takes a firm decision. For those of you that have, are married in the room, if you, you've been through seasons where if that hadn't been a firm decision at the altar, you, you'd have been like, I, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I think I'm going to revert. I'm going to go back. I'm going to take off. I'm going to do things differently. And sometimes we, we, we got to fight for these decisions. They're hard. And I know there's circumstances outside of our control. I'm not talking about the variability. I'm talking about the the baseline idea that we have to have a firm decision that I'm getting closer to God this year. It's not a resolution. It's a decision. It's a life value decision. I am going to move closer into him, spiritual disciplines, and godly community. So I get it. I said the word discipline. I'm not the kind of guy that likes the word discipline. I'm the oldest in our family, and I received all of the discipline. So I'm not like a huge Love discipline kind of guy, I get it. But look at this verse, Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. There's no, thank you, sir, may I have another. There's none of those. It's painful. So at least God understands. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward... There will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. It would take us 12 weeks to unpack all of the Greek words in this verse. But for today, let's focus on just the idea 
that we get it. God gets it. He's given us, throwing us a bone here. Like, guys, I know it's hard. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. But I promise you, if you allow yourself to be firm-minded, have a firm decision, don't tuck tail and run from the process. If you decide to stick with me and learn spiritual discipline and godly community, there will be a peaceful harvest of life that you can't get any way else. He promises that to you. See, Christianity without spiritual discipline isn't Christianity at all. It's entertainment and emotional health wearing a godlike mask. And we've seen this. We've seen this in, in how maybe some churches are being ran and how different leaders are just falling apart and their lives are being destroyed. And, and we see uh, we see revolving door mentality where people will take a golden corral approach to church and like if they don't have the hot rolls I want, but this one does, but that one's got better meatloaf, but this one's got, you know, better ribs. I'm going to, we are cherry picking church like we pick grocery stores. No one learns discipline. And honestly, this is probably why it was back, back in the old days when there was a community church. And there wasn't another one to go to. So you couldn't go to another church. You had to deal with the preacher. You had to deal with your friends. You had to deal with your neighbors. You had to overcome offense. You had to learn how to be involved. You had to take care of one another. But now we're like, the Lord is moving us elsewhere. Bull. No, he's not. Your offense is. Your prayerlessness is. And we stay impotent as a church and do not reproduce righteousness, but reproduce lukewarm, half-hearted connection. In scene. See, this year your decisions are going to bring you closer to God or not. What you decide today can do that. And getting closer to God isn't scary or unattainable. It's actually pretty simple. It's not complicated. In fact, God's word tells us how. And so today, let's take a, a dive right into prayer, reverence, and scripture. How many of you would say that in your life before, maybe right now, that it's been hard to make God the center of your life? Think about that question. Like it's, has it been hard in your life before to, to make God the center in a, in a Western society full of Every affinity imaginable. In, in, in a culture where we have everything we could ever want at our fingertips. In a culture where, in a city where you can get on Amazon at 6 in the morning and have it get to your house by 3 p.m. Because the warehouse is across I-35. There's no prayer, there's no time, there's no praying, there's no thinking, there's no talking to your spouse, there's just clicking. In, in a society where we get whatever we want whenever we want it, it's hard to make God the center of our lives because it's almost like we don't even need him. Why do I need God if I already live in the burbs? Why do I need God if I already have the job I want? Why do I, why do I need God if I've already got good friends? Why do I already need God if I have everything I need? And, What's the point of him? Well, God is not a life raft. He's the only boat. He's not just there to get you out of the water. He's, 
He, he is life. It's this death to self mentality. And without that, it is hard to make God the center because you're trying to revolve everything else around. God is just a cog in the wheel. It doesn't work that way. In fact, a lot of things you do in your life could be submitted to God. I'm not telling you to start dumping everything in your life and become a monk. I'm just saying, what in your life is not submitted to him? There are so many things pushing and pulling for our attention that it can be very difficult to make God the focus. It's very difficult. Kelly and I took, we told our kids we're taking a break this last semester from sports because we got, we got in this place where we had three kids in three different sports and we went like two years without any break in the seasons between sports. And Kelly began to say, like, I, just, I feel like the family needs a break. I feel like we need to refocus, recenter. And after we told the kids and dealt with the insurrection, um, we've had a very good fall. Got the kids in Awanas. My daughter started youth group. Refocused on God being the center. We gotta start with prayer though, and I don't know about you, but there's a spiritual discipline that's surefire way to hear God. It's 100% effective all the time. It'll help you be able to hear his voice and to begin to receive wisdom in your life through talking with him. And, you know, prayer is something that I always believed had power. How many believe there's power in prayer? There's power in it. He hears every word. He's not Bruce Almighty. He doesn't hit yes to all. He hears every word. And I always believed prayer had power, but I sometimes found it hard to know what to pray. Like you get to day four and you're like, I'm praying for the same things all the time. Like and it begins to get robotic and you're like, I don't know, what, what is this prayer thing? Like I didn't, sometimes didn't know how to pray or when to pray. When's the best time to pray? I was trying to systematically approach an organic relationship and it doesn't work that way. Imagine when you are courting somebody, you're dating, and they call you, and you're like, nope, it's not time to receive telephonic communications at this moment. They will have to wait and adjust until the Excel sheet adjusts, or until I choose to change it. Then you will never, ever have that person. It's, there's this reactivity to God. There's this movement with him, and the only way we do that is if we know what he's doing and when he's moving. And I didn't understand that, though, because I grew up in an expressive form of Christianity, and it seemed like everybody knew how to pray. It seemed like everybody knew how to pray, and loudly so. And maybe some of us might feel you come from a different background, and you, some of us might feel very overwhelmed at the thought that you, as a human, are even allowed to talk to God if not through another person. You're okay talking with a saint, but not, I mean, you can't talk to God. That's a whole other ball game. Like, I don't know if I can talk to God himself and not through another person in the middle. Like, how do I do that? And I was overwhelmed about bringing the good, the bad, and the ugly. I was, I was overwhelmed about being honest with God. Like, he didn't know. I was overwhelmed at that thought. I thought that he was predictably angry. 
that he was locked and loaded. And as awful as it sounds that it, at some depth of my life, there was this belief that God took some kind of pleasure in my pain. That it was like this weird backwards view of God, like, see how much you need me? Like it was this domineering force, but nothing could be further from the truth. Let me say that again. Nothing could be further from the truth of how much your God loves you and does not treat you that way. There was a book our, our children had that referenced these little wooden people that, like a whole community of these little wooden people that were carved and they each carried two boxes with them all day long. Two boxes with them. They walked around, I guess, you know, everywhere they went, they had these two boxes. And one box contained a, a, a bunch of black dots and the other box contained gold stars. And they spent their days putting these dots and stickers all over one another. They spent their days putting these dots and stickers on each other based on their perception of the other person's behavior and tension, failures, and even physical appearance. If one person received a black dot, that means the other, the other person didn't approve. If they gave you a gold star, then they approved. And one wooden person covered it completely in black dots, ended up making his way all the way to the creator who carved all of the wooden people. The carver creator picked him up, talked to him about what he saw in him, how he had created him, and as he sat there, a black dot fell off. As he met with his carver more and more, more and more black dots fell off, but also did the stars. Nothing would stick to him anymore. People would see him and like, oh, he has no indicators so they would try to give him a black dot for not having any, indica any indicators. And then other people would give him a gold star for not having any indicators. And none of them would stick. He had an internal belief in a real conversational deep relationship with the carver. So the opinions of the others mattered not. Only what the carver said mattered. But when you're not around the carver... What everyone else says matters a lot. And I remember reading this book to our kids and like I actually cried. And Levi's like, you okay, Daddy? I'm like, yeah, it's just Mount Cedar, man. Everything's good. <laughs> I mean, the kids were little. They were little, so they didn't notice much about what I was thinking and feeling that moment. But I'll never forget feeling so loved by God in a kid's book that the creator, the carver, the carpenter wanted to talk to me every day. I love Paul's words in Philippians 3. Don't be, don't be anxious about things. Instead, talk to the carver. And no, don't be anxious about anything. Pray about everything. He longs to hear your requests. So talk to God about your needs. And be thankful for what has come. And know that the peace of God, a peace that is beyond any and all of our human understanding, will stand watch over your hearts and your minds.
in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. Instead, pray. Don't let the sticker stick. Instead, talk to him. He hears your request. He wants to be there. Be thankful for that. And then there is a peace that is beyond anything you could ever create with just a better schedule or talking nicer to your family or eating better. All of that is great. But it will not create the soul-level peace you desire and that God wants to give you. God desires us to be specific when we pray, and he will answer in a big way. And our hope for you is that you will understand the profound importance of prayer and that you would visit the carpenter every single day. And sometimes you don't even know what to say. Sometimes that is my prayer. Now, just be honest with you, sometimes I just look at God, and I was like, I, I don't know what to say. But I know right now this is how I feel. And it's usually on those days where you're sad or mad or frustrated, and you're just like, God, I don't, I don't even know what to pray for. I'm not going to sit here and try to be peaceful and pray some peaceful prayer of, God, please rid me of my frustration. You know, a prayer is actually telling God, God, I'm, I'm really frustrated. And I don't know what to do about it, but I really need your help today. And I know you're bigger than me. And you know what's interesting is after you're honest with God about how you feel, and then you start to declare who he is, you look up and 10 minutes later, you've been praying. Because it started with honesty with God. You don't walk up to God and go, God of heaven, I beseech thee. In like this King Jamesy language. I don't even think God invented the word beseech. The English did that to us. He just wants you to talk. Just, God, this is what's going on in our house. I know you know it, but I'm just telling you, like, I really don't like it. Or, God, thank you. Like, this, how did this opportunity come my way? I can't believe you've been working this out for months. This whole time I was mad, you were doing things for me. That's a prayer. way to get closer to God this year is just to be honest with the one who loves you more than anyone. So here's a get closer question. All, each of these sections have a get closer question. Here's this one. Do you think you need to improve your prayer life? And if the answer to that is yes, then why do you think that? There's got to be a reason you think that. If, you, if, you, if you're saying, Landon, I, I need to improve my prayer life, there's a reason why you're feeling that way. There's some sense of disconnection there that would cause you to say yes to that question. And you're like, well, Landon, it would be kind of cocky if I was like, no, I love my prayer life. That's not cocky. Like, if you feel like you've got a genuine connection with God and you're talking to him, like, during the day, all day, then tell people that because they're going to want to know how you did it. And you're going to get to share that relationship approach to God and not a transactional religious approach to God. That he's there every single day. And he'll give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's ready and available to you. So prayer. Second is reverence. Reverence. It's a, there's a respect for God. There's a deep regard for God. There's a, a sense of awe. There's a, a, there's a wonder about God. I had this friend in school, kind of, he kind of lived by this motto, like maybe you've known someone like this, like anything for the sake of comedy, anything to make people laugh, anything to, to get to be the class clown, anything, and I know I was rambunctious as a kid, but this dude had me beat. 
time and time again. Like there, there was anything to make people laugh. And it was like he was warning us that at any moment, anything could happen. So be on your toes. Anyone ever had a friend like that? They're fun to be around for like a minute, like for a while. And you look back, you're like, I need you to calm down. Like, be real for a minute. He began to come to church with us, and some changes in his life were made, but, and we were hopeful for that. But what ended up happening was that he just acquired material for new jokes and used an experience with God in an irreverent way. He wore faith like an accessory and put it on when he needed it to fulfill a means that he needed fulfilled. And I wonder if we can see what Jesus says about that. Look at Matthew 12. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the, say it out loud, heart, the inside of you, the soul of you, out of what is in you comes your speech. The good person out of good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned that is a verse you know sometimes you, know, you can't even give it an adjective you're like that's a verse that is just a verse that is like whoa you mean that it's not just like God's not just interested in me warming an uncomfortable chair in a cafeteria every week you mean that doesn't impress God? Landon, are you saying that even me serving every once in a while, that, like, that's not impressive? Like, no, not, all of that exists for you to get closer to him, not to impress him. You, there's nothing you could ever do that would impress God, by the way. He's not impressed by you. And we have to approach God with reverence. With reverence. And I remember so many irreverent things I've said and done. <laughs> I remember my, my grandpa was just a little guitar picker, and he was a little bluegrass gospel singer, about five foot three, tiny little man. And he would carry his guitar around everywhere he went. Everywhere, every building he walked into, he'd yell, praise the Lord, even if it was a Mexican restaurant. I'm like, all right. And... He came into church one day, and me and my buddies were playing poker on the altar. <laughs> we weren't gambling. That was for the next game. He walked in just in time. But I remember, like, he, we are all wearing ball caps as we were cool. And he came up, and he, he grabbed my hat. And you know the little, the little button that's on the top of a ball cap? He turned it around and smacked every single teenage boy in the head with that little button and how he got the perfect most awful spot on our cranium <laughs> is, is I mean it's it's impressive to this day it's impressive but I remember he he 
he put his hat back on, and his hat said, Jesus is Lord, of course. <laughs> and picked up his guitar and walked over to the stage of the church, and he turned around and he said, never disrespect the house of God. And he walked off in the most, I don't know, stallion-like fashion. Just walking, don't, don't do that. Now, maybe over the top, maybe not, but you know what I've learned? Don't disrespect the house of God. Don't, don't, don't disrespect the house of God. We don't, we don't ditch the house of God. We don't neglect the house of God. We don't abuse the house of God. We don't neglect our relationship with God. We don't neglect our relationship with God's people. We don't wear faith like an accessory. Either, either you've died to self or you're alive to yourself. There's no middle. And, and we're, if we're alive to ourself, then we use faith for our own benefit. But if we're dead to self, we wake up in prayer every day saying, God, what you up to today? Can I be involved? It's a different approach to faith. There's this reverence to faith. See, reverence, and I love the imagery here that there's healthy fruit from a healthy tree. And a lot of times we think we're healthy and we go to eat the fruit and we don't like the fruit. Because we thought our roots were deep and we thought we were being watered and we thought we were being fertilized, but then the drought came and scorched it. And then the fruit that came was not nourishing to you or anyone else that it was intended for. If we are not reverently approaching God, then we are not digging those wells. We're not being fertilized. We're not being watered. See, when you and I have a respect for who God is, it changes things. Because respect, reverence is an outer proof of an inner belief. Reverence is an outer proof of inner belief. It's, it's, there's this, see, when, when families revere God, they make sure that things are ready for church before they go to bed on Saturday night so there's no variability on Sunday morning. We, we make sure that our kids know, no, you're not staying up till 12 o'clock like you did Friday night or whatever your time frame is for your kids because tomorrow's church. Now, I remember talking to one of our kids, they're like, but dad, it's, it's the weekend. I'm like, no, tomorrow's the Lord's day. Ian Bradley and I had a conversation about that this morning. I was like, today's the Lord's day, not Bradley's day. Today's the Lord's day, not Landon's day. It's the Lord's day. We're gonna honor the Lord. We're gonna honor the Lord. And there's this there's a lot of, you know, I'm not getting legalistic with it. We're not all asking you to wear suits and ties next week. We're not doing anything like that. I'm just saying that we, we honor the Lord with our attitudes, our behavior, our actions. Because when we have a respect for who God is and how good God is, it changes our behavior and our decisions are now all filtered through that reverence. The job you take is filtered through, will it allow me more freedom to revere God? Will, it, will this bring glory to God or will it not bring glory to God? Will this bring my kids and family closer to God or will it pull us away from God? Every decision you make is based on how you revere or if you are too familiar with the Almighty. And it's this weird dichotomy, right? <clears throat> like God loves you, he wants to be close to you, but he's also still the God of the Old Testament that burned entire cities and flooded the entire earth, and only let a couple of dudes in a boat. He's still the God that is jealous 
and righteous and holy. And the only reason you and I are not burned up right now is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That the penalty for our sin has already been paid. And that you are, not, you are now no longer responsible for paying the blood debt of your own sin, which the penalty for your sin is death. That that debt has already been paid by the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, alone. You got to clap louder than that for the gospel. It's the only reason we're here. And if you start your year off with that mindset, every decision you make from here on out, is how does it glorify God? When we revere God, it changes the way we pray. There's no more good meat, let's eat. There's no, it changes the way you pray. It changes the way you pray over your kids at nighttime. It changes the way you see people. Reverence. So here's the get closer questions. What is the most important thing in your life right now? And if you say, my kids. Okay, why would you say that? If your answer was not your relationship with God first, ask yourself, why did that not come out of my mouth first? And just spend some time thinking about it because honestly, if you love your kids that much, they can't be first. They can't even be second. She's second. He's second. And then your physical health is third, your kids are fourth or fifth. Because if you're not healthy, you and her, you and him aren't healthy, your relationship with God is not healthy, you're poisoning your children. What is the most important thing in your life right now? The next question is, is there outer proof in your time, your spending, your relationships, your treatment of others that reveals a sincere reverence for your creator? When people look at your life, do they go, there's something different about that person? There's something different about what they're doing. There's something different about the way they talk to me at the mailbox. There's something different about how they answer the phone in the cubicle. There's something different about how nice they are to the customers. There's something different. And the last one, I want to start with a question. What do you think about when you think about the Bible? When someone says the word Bible, what are you thinking about? Maybe it's this teeny tiny Bible you were given in Sunday school as a kid that has the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs the Gideons gave you. Anybody remember those tiny little Bibles they gave you in kids' church? There's no way you could read the letters as an adult. <laughs> somehow they think children have tiny eyes and can read tiny letters. Or maybe it's an, you, you hear the word Bible and you think about the Bible app icon on your phone. Or maybe... You're thinking about these hard-to-understand pages that occupy space in a side table in a dusty part of your home. But today, let's change the way we think about reading it. For me, being, a, being consistent in reading the Bible has always been a decision. It's, it's not been like, a, like this approach of like, oh my God, I cannot wait to get up. I can't even go to sleep because i got to read Psalms tomorrow. Like, I wake up, and I'm like, all right, let me and Black Rifle Coffee are going to get this done. Let's go get the Bible. Like, it, it's a decision. For some of you, it's not like that. For some of you, prayer's not like that. Everybody's got their own bent. But for me, there's having that regularity, that decision, 
has always been something that I've had to intentionally kill the flesh for. I tried everything imaginable. I've tried Bible reading plans. I went to Family Christian Bookstore. Rest in peace. I went to Family Christian Bookstore and went to the section with all of the devotionals that started with a number. The two and a half minute devotional for the busy workman, the 30 minute devotional for the stay at home mom. Like there's all these numbers that everybody thinks is important. And so we go get these devotionals and then we read them and they're so lame. I literally used one devotional to start a fire one day in our fireplace. It's like, this is trash. That publisher should be ashamed of themselves. It's not even scriptural. Who wrote this? Oprah's stepson? This is terrible. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, this isn't working. God, I'm trying. Why are you letting these crazy people write books? God, I'm trying. Like, is there somebody that could write something real? And he was like, I already did. Uh, y'all feel it? Mm. I just feel like I went down the Texas giant. Mm. Like a dip on a roller coaster. Your stomach goes up in your throat and you're like, yeah, I missed it. I've been reading all these words from people and God's like, I'd like my book better. You should try it. I began to find a good study Bible. Dig into scripture and Got an account with BibleGateway.com and as a young Bible reading kid, figured it out. Started digging. That's where my love for biblical languages began, was in that moment of conviction. Because I used to do the one-year Bible and it took forever. <laughs> anybody, anybody else ever tried to read the one-year Bible? You're like, dear God, Paul was so verbose. Dude, just get to the point. Be like James or get out. You're like, dude, come on. Tried topical studies, tried all these different apps, and then I'd get on the apps, and then magically I'm on Instagram. So one method I have tried that I wouldn't suggest is I call it the flip and dip. Anybody else ever done the flip and dip? Let me explain. <laughs> so you flip open your Bible, and you dip into it, and whatever your finger points to is what God Almighty, the creator of all the universe, destined before the birth of you for you to read on that day, at that moment, knowing specifically that you would deal with a rebellious house. It works, praise God. <laughs> Line up everybody and get me a wooden spoon. The Lord hath decreed. Flip and dip doesn't work. Now I remember... Trying to flip and dip out. I did that one day and I, I went to this verse in Mark where it said that a guy was following Jesus in a loincloth. So a dude's chasing Jesus down in his underwear. And then the people seized him so he's running away naked. So of course, I thought, God, are you telling me that we are to go back to our original created intent of which clothing was not part of your design? And Kelly said, God said no. <laughs> so I tried again, and I flipped and dipped, and it said, go and do likewise. And I said, lady, you are wrong. God said in the second flip and dip 
to go and do likewise. Likewise was what I just read. You are now against God and in rebellion. And rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. So let me pray for you, lady. Right now, it didn't, none of that happened. But thank God that there are wise people around you to help you discern God's humor from God's path. Guys, all joking aside, there's no magic formula. You're all going to spend time with God differently. And it doesn't matter what someone told you, some armchair theologian on YouTube who hasn't been submitted to a church or tithe in 20 years says. It doesn't matter. If someone tells you, you've got to spend this many minutes in the Word a day to be closer to God. No, that's for you. But there's no magic formula. And if you've got a checklist mentality about the Bible or a lucky charm mentality about the Bible, that your day will always go better if you read it first, you're missing the power of the relationship. We can't bring our, like, spooky mentality to the Bible. Like, there's no charm to rub. There's no prayer to pray. He's either there or he's not there, and he's there. You don't have to coax him back. When he took up residence in your heart, he had no plan on selling that house. He's there. Somebody say he's there. there. See, God's word is Holy Spirit written. It's Holy Spirit inspired and has the power to change everything in your life. And I've read it cover to cover. And I'm telling you, every time I read it, I find something different. I hear something different. My life's in a different place, so verses hit you different. And in Psalm 119, David talks about hiding God's word in your heart. He said, he talks about that a lot. Talking about hiding in your heart so you might have sinned against God. Talking about hide it. He says it a lot. Look what the writer Hebrews says in chapter 4. For the word of God is alive. And, say it out loud, active. The word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit. We remember, they're not the same. We're trying beings, body, soul, and spirit. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So the Bible will help you discern what is spiritual and what is emotional. They're not the same most of the time. It penetrates everything, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And I was meditating on this scripture, and I've started just doing something for fun. I'll just pick up little different hobbies here and there and try it out for a while. And right now I'm like sharpening knives. Got like this whetstone and I was sharpening this machete I have. It was, it was pretty cool. And by the time I was done sharpening it, I got a piece of notebook paper and it cut right down the notebook paper. Didn't snag at all. And before, I mean, I couldn't even hurt myself with it. And I began to think about this verse of like, you mean God's word is able to be lay, like laser sharp to help me discern even the most difficult of circumstances in life? To help me discern what's emotional, what's spiritual, to help me discern what is good and what is God? Only God's word can do that. Dr. Phil can't do it. No self-help tape can do it. No one can do it except God's word. A sermon can't even do that for you. Devotionals can't do that for you. It is only your time in God's Word. And if you need suggestions on good translations, get a New American Standard, English Standard, even go Old King Jimmy. They're all good. But I like to read a bunch of them. 
and just get a big feel for the general context. But if I'm studying, I study out of New American Standard and digging into the actual word-for-word translations and going, that's what that meant? And then you don't forget it. When you're digging into it, you don't forget it. I remember uh, my great-grandma, I have her picture up in my office. I have a wall in my office called my hero wall. And my great-grandma, my Gigi, was my pastor my whole life. And, uh, and they did an article of her in the Odessa newspaper. And she's sitting on the wooden pews with her Bible in her lap and looking at the camera for her picture in that newspaper article. Her favorite thing to say to us was, eat the word, eat the word, eat the word. And I've never forgotten that. We go into their house and it was 90 degrees because my papa loved a fire in the summer. Weird. Watching NASCAR, cussing at the TV, cussing at Dale Earnhardt, and she's over there reading the Bible. <laughs> and I just remember, even now as an adult, thinking about her love for the Word and how it transformed my father's life and how that transformed my life and how it's transformed how we run our home and now you're here hearing the story and you've never known her and if you don't eat the word you will be malnourished and if it's boring I get I didn't tell you like you're gonna know most Americans don't like to read and so I'm not telling you like you're gonna sit down and automatically love reading it's not about that faith isn't about what you like or don't like it's about submission start in the book of John in the New Testament if you're a new Bible reader and start in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament if you're a new Bible reader. And begin to hear the heart of God in those pages. And let God take you from there. Join a good small group in a couple weeks and start the process of getting closer to God. Because it's in those dark, quiet moments where all you've got is God. And he's all you can depend on. And if the words are in, hidden in your heart, it'll change everything. So the get closer question is, what's your biggest hindrance? to reading God's word. Is it schedule? Is it you don't have a Bible? Let us know, we'll help you get one. What is your biggest hindrance? As the band comes up and the prayer partners go ahead and come down too, I'm gonna ask you a question out of all the three disciplines we talked about today, prayer, reverence, and scripture, which one do you need to incorporate more into your daily life? And then how can you go about doing that starting today? What, what, and maybe that's just starting with prayer. God, show me what I need to do. I've decided I'm getting closer to you this year. Show me, God. So everybody go ahead and stand to your feet. As we get ready to end the service today, we end with what we call response time. And response time is a time where you've heard the word, now respond. You've heard the word, now do something with it and allow God the opportunity uh, to move in your heart in this moment. So that in a moment, the prayer partners are going to be here. Um, in, in a moment, um, the, the band is going to sing and they're going to sing a, a song while you're responding in prayer, while you're taking communion. And this is just a holy moment, the way we end our service. Not for very long, we're talking about five minutes or so, and you're going to be able to respond to God's word. And if you need to come down and repent, if you need to come down and 
and, and repent for your prayerlessness or, or repent for a lukewarm attitude towards God or his church or his word, whatever it is. Or maybe it's a praying and asking God for wisdom on how to adjust your behavior in order to prioritize God. Whatever that is, come down, receive prayer. Have someone pray wisdom, faith, courage, discernment, understanding over you. Because if we all believe in the power of prayer, as you acknowledged minutes ago, then when you leave here, you could literally have more clarity on what you're supposed to do. Isn't that good news? That God brought you here today to bring clarity to your soul and your spirit. And if you never made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is the moment. This is the moment. This is the moment where you're able to come down and I know it might feel a little scary. They're gonna turn off these brighter lights and you, so it'll be a little darker down here. But you'll be able to walk down here and tell somebody I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And they will pray a prayer of faith with you. Your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The devil gets a black eye. Heaven has a party. It's the biggest party heaven ever has. That can happen today. And if you've walked away from God, the Bible says that the Father always rejoices when a kid comes home. That can happen today. So everybody hold your hands out, Lord. In this moment, we surrender. In this moment, we say thank you. In this moment, we dial in to your grace, your mercy, your word. And Lord, we thank you that your, your grace has made it possible for us to be here today. Your mercy has made it possible for us to walk in these doors today. And God, even though we've not done everything perfectly, and even though we've made a lot of mistakes, and even though we've had a lot of issues in our past, God, we thank you that you are still pursuing us. So God, in this moment, in this holy moment, in these next minutes, may we connect to you. God, do not let these amazing people stay in their seat when they know they need to walk down. Give them a courage and a boldness to say, this year, I'm getting closer to God, and it starts with my left foot and my right foot and my left foot and my right foot. And as they walk closer to the altar, you will meet them there, and they will never, ever, ever be the same. So, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. For in this moment, miracles are happening in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.